0: It is a pleasure to be with you this morning, and I hear that our Great Commission emphasis in some ways is serving as a parenthesis and a study in the book of Genesis. Good news is the plan of the Great Commission begins in Genesis, and it will end when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ returns according to his own word, that the gospel of this kingdom will be proclaimed in all the nations as a witness, and then the end will come. So the scripture is actually one continuation with one common theme. The Messiah will come. He will suffer. He will die for our sins. He will be raised from the dead. Those who believe in him will become his people so that the glory of our God might be spread throughout the whole, the whole earth as the water covers the sea. So this theme begins in Revelation with the first promise of a coming savior, the woman's descendant, who would crush Satan's head, although he himself must suffer. One person from history is actually a woman's descendant because he was born of God's spirit, Jesus Christ our Lord. He was sent to the earth, he lived a sinless and perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins and was raised from the dead. Someday he'll return as our judge. And the scripture says that if we will surrender ourselves to the Lord Jesus, believing this great news, our sins are forgiven. And he is with us always. That's the message beginning in Genesis that goes through Revelation. First of all, about God's redemption, the plan of redemption through Jesus Christ, but then about the proclamation of Christ's redemption throughout the whole world. So, actually, this is not an interruption to our study. It is just an appropriate framework for our study in Genesis. In a moment, I'll be uh, speaking to you from what we call the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses uh, 18 through 20. So you can go ahead and turn there. Now, as Celeste mentioned earlier, myself, my wife, and our family served in Southeast Asia uh, for almost 21 years. I'll be sharing with you today amazing things that God has done and that God continues to do. However, a little more than three years ago, the Lord brought us back to the United States because of some medical problems. Praise the Lord. We're sensing his presence in the middle of that. And God used that for this time to redirect our ministry to focus on the diaspora peoples throughout North America. Refugees, international students, and immigrants. God is sending the world to us as well, right? So if we need to be doing missions here because God is sending the world here and also there, not just praying about how missions is being done over there but considering who are the diaspora peoples that God has brought near us, how can we disciple them according to the Great Commission? You might benefit from from the website you see on your screen, peoplegroups.info. There, in addition to finding information about who are the people groups living nearby, you can see some practical tools so you can begin embracing God's plan for them, encountering them, and also, as we encounter them, engaging them with the good news of the gospel. So this might be a helpful place to begin to, to, to discover who are those diaspora peoples and how to reach out to them. But beginning in 1998, the Lord sent us to the world's largest Muslim country. For our first few years in country, having learned the language, I was teaching in a very established traditional format in a a local seminary. I was teaching preaching and praise God for that opportunity. And yet as I was teaching preaching, the Lord began to stir up within myself and my wife's heart, my wife Kathy. Just a burden for those unreached peoples around us. So it wasn't a total shock after a few years when our organizational leadership asked us to transition from seminary education to engage a a large, unreached Muslim people group. The people group that you see on your screen, we call them the Be New People of Southeast Asia. Not their actual name, but just because of our desire for what God would do in their lives. So we knew the answer was yes you know when the lord of the universe shows us what to do there's only one appropriate answer right the answer is yes having said yes then we say okay now what right yes lord now what now i knew what to what to do when i taught there at the seminary i knew how to teach preaching and i and i loved that i loved that opportunity and the fruit of it but i had to honestly admit that we really knew nothing about how to engage and disciple a large unreached muslim people group we needed, we needed more than a method. We needed to see the divine plan and we needed divine empowerment to see it take place. So as we, as we enlisted prayer partners, also I personally began praying desperate prayers to Almighty God. Somebody, sometimes people say, can you unpack that a little for us? What did it look like? Well, it was ugly. It was ugly, but it was honest and it was sincere. Calling out praying that God would move in their lives, but also praying that God would show us what to do. On the surface, the the chances for failure were tremendous. The chances for actually seeing it happen from a human standpoint weren't very good. There were some established churches scattered throughout the area of this people group, and they hadn't seen these people in mass come to know the Lord Jesus. It would take an act of God, to see it happen and we knew that. So day after day as I met God in prayer, calling out to him sometimes, for a, about usually an hour or a little more, occasionally three or four hours just meeting God, calling out to him to show us what to do and that he would continue drawing these people to himself. At the same time, the spirit moved, my, moved me to begin memorizing scripture, something I had done in college but hadn't done for a long time. So I began memorizing not only verses, but then verses in context turning into passages and sometimes you know would lead to, lead to memorizing a whole book of scripture. The goal wasn't memorize a book of scripture, but the goal was I need to hear God. I need to hear God. And so just as I was talking to God, he was speaking to me. What I, what I realized was pretty obvious We need to know how to do missions the way the Lord taught us to do missions. And the good news is he told us before he went to the cross what missions would look like when the Holy Spirit came, especially in the upper room discourse of John chapter 13 through 17. He made statements like this, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to my father the works to which he was referring were the, the Great Commission works of Acts, fulfillment of the Great Commission, the way it originally happened. And to affirm that, in John chapter 15, he painted a picture for his disciples of him being the vine and them being the branches. In John 15, 5, here's how he, here's how he showed this illustration of what he had said in chapter 14 about the greater works. I'm the vine and you're the branches. The one who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Okay, in 14, he's talking about doing the greater works of Christ, which is great commission fulfillment. And in the next chapter, he paints a picture that if you're not abiding in me, guess what you're not gonna do? You're not gonna do this. The key is to abide in Christ through the walk, which is prayer, through the word, but also through the works. Not simply praying, not simply studying scripture, but stepping out by faith to do the works of God that he's commanded us to do. So as I wrestle with the Lord in prayer, I begin seeing clearly in the scripture, there is a pattern for how the Great Commission is obeyed. Jesus Christ foretold He foretold what would happen in the upper room discourse. And then he gave a prescription, which is the great commission, of how discipleship would happen among all the ethnic groups of the world. And then in Acts, we see a demonstration. We see a demonstration of how that took place. And so I began seeing this clearly. Clearly. Looking back, I'm amazed at what God did and what he continues to do. But it began when we began seeing that God did give us a pattern for how to accomplish the Great Commission. It wasn't simply pray and go do something. It was abiding Christ through the walk, the word and the works, and obey the Great Commission the way that he gave it to us. And here it is, Matthew chapter 28 Beginning with verse 16, you can read there on the screen. Having raised from the dead, Jesus Christ appeared to his disciples, and he said, here's what we should read in the scripture. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The Great Commission. Paul tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians, there was a time after the resurrection where Jesus appeared to more than 500 people at once. Most likely, it was at this time. We can't be sure, but most likely, it was during this encounter. Perhaps that's why we read that some doubted. But what we see here is if, if that is the case, when Jesus Christ is speaking here to his 11, of course, Judas had betrayed him. There were 12 and Judas betrayed him. That not only they were hearing, but perhaps those 500 were hearing also. Billy Graham made it clear to us, a good reminder, the Great Commission is not a suggestion. The Great Commission is not a suggestion. It is a commandment. And we need to keep that in mind. Not only is this a good idea, this is God's plan of worldwide discipleship, so we do well to pay attention. So, as we began seeing clearly what Jesus Christ prescribed in the Great Commission, as I, you know, again, I was a preaching professor, so I'm, I'm looking at it both grammatically and thinking of how to communicate it, and the Lord gave insight. We began teaching the Great Commission this way one, two, three, Obey the Great Commission. As we abide in Christ, let's listen clearly to what Jesus said in the Great Commission. First of all, there is one core command in the Great Commission. What is it? What's the one core command? If we read it in our language, we might say the command is to go. Well, actually, the core command is... Well, in the Greek language, Mateusite Pontita Ethne, the translation is make disciples of all the nations. If we want a more literal and perhaps literal and perhaps a more forceful, forceful interpretation, I would say it this way Disciple all the ethnic groups. So the one core command of the Great Commission is disciple all the ethnic groups. And guess what? That's about all of us, right? Discipling the the whole world, that is those who believe the gospel and follow Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, not all will believe the gospel, and not all will follow Jesus, but this gives them an opportunity to do so. If we boil down what's at the heart of this core command, It's really two realities. The first reality is everyone hears the good news of the gospel with a chance to respond. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was raised from the dead. Someday he'll return as our judge. And if we will surrender our lives to Jesus Christ through repentance, our sins are forgiven, and he is with us always. The simple message of the gospel with a chance to respond Everyone should hear this great news. It begins there, but it doesn't end there. Those who believe the gospel are now discipled together, we can say either in churches or as churches. Discipleship is meant to happen with believers together as church. And we'll get there to them in a moment. But essentially, discipling every ethnic group means everyone hears the good news of the gospel with a chance to respond. And wherever they respond, they're discipled as churches. In a nutshell, that's the one core command. One core command, we also have two assurances. Are you thankful that the Lord didn't say, here's my command, now go at it. Let me know how it goes for you. I'll hold you accountable in heaven. I'm glad he didn't do that. We see at the beginning of the Great Commission and at its very end, two tremendous assurances as we obey the Great Commission. First of all, we see authority. Jesus said, all authority belongs to me in heaven and on earth. Who has the authority? Jesus. Jesus. All right, now, this is a little interesting. If Jesus said, I have all authority, why did he say, then you go? If he has authority, why doesn't he go? He could have. But he gave us his authority. Jesus Christ said, I have authority, you go. You go with my authority, Every believer has the full authority of Jesus Christ to obey the entire Great Commission. And the Great Commission is more than go, by the way. We'll talk about that in a minute. We'll talk about that in a minute. And when new believers come to faith in Jesus Christ, they have the authority. They go on the authority of Jesus. They don't go on the authority of the person who led them to faith. They go on Jesus' authority to proclaim the gospel to others. So Jesus gives us, each one, the authority and every new believer the authority to obey this command. And he also gives us his presence. The other book of the Great Commission, the way, that, the way that it ends is, know this, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. I wish we had time to, to, to just reminisce on the many, many uncountable, tremendous ways that Jesus Christ has shown himself as we have gone to obey the Great Commission. I could tell you about a time when when we went into a restricted access country where we knew of no baptized believers among the primary people group there considered the hardest to reach in our general area and early during this trip, as we're sharing the good news of the gospel in a local park, one of the four believers on our team said, the spirit told me to keep walking. And so as he went to the edge of this park, there's a man sitting there, no ordinary man, a man who had relationships in the Royal family of this country And when my friend shared the good news of the gospel with him, the man responded, this has already been on my mind. Recently, a relative of mine moved to another country. He's come to faith and he's been telling me these things. It's a work of God. Jesus Christ is with us when we obey the Great Commission. I mentioned earlier, there are three keys from the Upper Room Discourse to abiding in Christ to uh, uh, to fulfill the Great Commission. Walking with Christ in prayer being obedient to his word, and also doing his works. It's when we step out by faith to share the good news of the gospel with others with the intention of giving them an opportunity to respond that the Lord shows his face to us. During our ministry in Southeast Asia, often teams from churches would come work with us. and I promised them one thing. I promised them what Jesus promised. Jesus Christ is with us and he will prove it. And when teams worked with us, every team left, having led someone to faith, at least someone to faith during their trip, saying, let me tell you what Jesus did. We have assurance of Christ's presence, and we see his presence most clearly in our lives when we're on mission, proclaiming the good news of the gospel to others. There's one core command, remember it, what is it? Disciple all the ethnic groups. There are two assurances. We have Christ's authority and we have his presence. To do three tasks one one command, two assurances, and three tasks. The three tasks of the Great Commission, quite simply, are going, baptizing, and teaching them to obey all that Christ commanded. Going is proclamation of the gospel. When they went, what did they do? As they were abiding in Christ in every place, living in the Spirit, that's the same thing, by the way. Abiding in Christ is living in the Spirit. Those aren't two realities, that's one reality. But as they were abiding in Christ, being led by God's Spirit, they would meet people and they would share the good news of the gospel with them. Gospel proclamation in Acts was never delayed past the first meeting intentionally. Of course, there are times when gospel proclamation falls apart, because someone doesn't have time or something happens. But the intent was, during this first convert conversation, we introduce ourselves based on the gospel that we now believe. So going is proclamation of the gospel. Those who go are also prepared to baptize those who come to faith. And we'll we'll unpack this a little bit more later. There is no category of believers in the New Testament who weren't baptized. Why? Because those who went and held out the good news of the gospel baptized them. That's the way the plan worked in the early church. So going and baptizing. And those who are baptized are taught now to obey all the commands of Christ teaching them to obey everything. How many commands of the Lord should new believers obey? Well, all of them. When should they obey them? Well, as soon as they learn them, we could say right now. But, you know, unfortunately, people aren't like computers, right, where we can just download everything at once. But as, we, as new believers learn the commands and the expectations of Scripture, they're simply to obey them all together as church. Well, where should we begin? Where should we begin when we're teaching new believers the commands of our Lord? We begin with this one. We begin with this one. Christ is giving the Great Commission, his discipleship command, when he said, teach them to obey all the commands. And what we realize in Acts, they obeyed this one first. Their identity was the good news of the gospel. They had died with Jesus. Now they were alive, pictured by their baptism. The first thing they were taught to do was, you know your identity, now begin identifying yourself with the gospel. So they would meet people and share the good news of the gospel. Those who were open would begin, they would, they would, they would believe the gospel, be baptized, they would become churches together and guided by those who had led them to faith, now they would obey all the commands of Scripture together as church. But it depended on them immediately sharing the good news of the gospel with others with the intention of forming churches. One core command, disciple all the ethnic groups. Everyone hears the good news of the gospel with a chance to respond, and wherever they respond, they're discipled as churches. Two assurances. Every believer has the authority of Jesus Christ to do it, and Jesus is with them while they do it. To do three tasks. Going is gospel proclamation. When those believers come to faith, they are now baptized, and now they become churches to obey all the commands of Scripture. We have three tasks in the Great Commission going, baptizing, and teaching them to obey. Those who hear the good news of the gospel also have three tasks. Believe the gospel, be baptized and be the church. Believe the gospel, be baptized and be the church. So this is God's plan of discipleship. Okay. Now, Acts then gives us a demonstration. And so, as God had called us to reach this unreached people group, we began seeing the same pattern in every place in Acts. The team did the same thing. As they were abiding in Christ, they boldly shared the good news of the gospel. When people came to faith, they baptized them. These new believers were taught to share with others, so they would reach others and multiply, forming churches. They would then guide those churches to develop into healthy churches. Leaders would emerge from among the churches, and the, and the apostolic team would help them to, uh, to develop as leaders. And they were always working with churches to send people to new areas to repeat the process in those areas. This is this is the plan that we saw. If you want to read the whole plan, you can read it in my book called "Plan A: Abiding Christ as a Disciple of the World." The framework is one, two, three, obey the Great Commission. And the pattern is what I just just briefly communicated on how the Great Commission was obeyed. And so we began obeying the Great Commission this way. Hanging out with people, proclaiming the gospel to individuals, groups, and crowds. It looked a little bit like the, 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 the screen you see right there. When they were open, we would do follow-up with them. When they believed, we learned baptize them. We weren't ready early on with baptism. I don't know, maybe our faith was small, or perhaps we believed it's okay for new believers not to be baptized. It might be okay with us, but it's not okay. It's not okay with our Lord. That's why in the Great Commission, he commanded us to go and to baptize. And by the way, the only way a new believer can obey Christ's command to be baptized is for those who go to baptize them. And it matters. It matters. So with the next slide, we see the Acts baptismal pattern that we, we learn. Well, let me say this first of all. Okay, let's go back, back to the actual baptismal pattern and then we'll back up. This is a summary of how that baptism was done in Acts. After believing the good news of the gospel, let's go to the baptismal slide. So after believing the good news of the gospel, every new believer is baptized by Immersion. Immersion is God's plan to picture the gospel. Some people say baptism isn't important. It's only a symbol. Baptism is the symbol. It is very important. It is the symbol of profession of faith in the gospel. That's why in Acts, baptism was their profession of faith. Did it save them? No, but it pictured, it pictured their profession of faith. They were baptized into Christ and then usually as the first member of his church or perhaps they joined other existing churches, but they were also baptized into the local body. Jesus died for our sins. He was raised from the dead. Do you believe this? Yes. Prove it with your body. Die and live again. Baptism was was, was the picture of the gospel. So after believing the gospel, every new believer is baptized by immersion. One of those who reached them baptized them. Those who went also baptized according to the Great Commission. And it was urgent, therefore immediate. Once again, there's no category of unbaptized believers in the Bible. Baptism is very important. So going proclamation of the gospel to individuals, groups, and crowds, baptizing and teaching them to obey all Christ's commands as churches. Simple Great Commission. So God gave us grace as we obeyed the Great Commission, beginning in, in, uh, in late 2005, to proclaim the good news of the gospel to a Muslim man named Tom Ehr. Through follow-up, he heard the gospel clearly and He said, I've got lots of friends that need to hear this, more than 50. He began sharing with others. Some became angry. He was called to the police station and threatened with 15 years in jail. And so he shared the gospel in the police station. And two two policemen from that encounter were later baptized. Just an example of what God was doing. He led his good friend to faith. They were sharing the gospel with others and he brought them to us. And God gave us wisdom to send them out to start churches. And churches began to form. We guided their discipleship pattern. We helped them with leadership development and their churches multiplied. Another stream in a different county started in 2006 and then also in 2007. God had prepared people so that when they heard the good news of the gospel, they believed and they began proclaiming the good news of the gospel to others. As they shared the gospel and prayed for people in Jesus' name, often God would heal them very similar to what happened in Acts. They would baptize those first new believers and teach them to reach others and form churches where discipleship happened. Hundreds of streams of churches have now formed and multiplied. Some past 30 generations. So when we reach a new believer and baptize that person, that's a first-generation believer, and perhaps they would start a first-generation church if they reach others who start churches, those will be second-generation churches. And if they, if they multiply, they often multiplied much more than one time, two, three, four, 10, 12, whatever. And when any of those churches reach someone else and they started a church, that would be a third-generation church. Because of the work of God's Spirit, based on the New Testament uh, church planning pattern that I'm sharing with you, churches have, at least in one of those streams, multiplied past 30 generations. There are tens of thousands of churches. They're becoming faithful disciples of our Lord and Savior. And it happened simply as we were committed to abide in Christ and obey the original Great Commission according to the pattern that that God had shown us in the book of Acts. You see, Acts is the demonstration. It's the only reliable record we have of how the Great Commission was originally obeyed. And there's the same pattern in every place, and so by identifying that pattern and seeing how how the Great Commission was described in the New Testament epistles, we we had faith to step out and to obey, and the Lord has done what he's done. Praise his name. So the encouragement I give to us is, the the encouragement I give to us is that every one of us be involved in Christ's Great Commission. Share the good news of the gospel, in your immediate circle of friends, family, and relationships, but then go look beyond to the pockets of diaspora people living around us and also be involved in the mission worldwide through prayer, of course, through giving, and also by faithfully proclaiming the good news of the gospel and going. Take a look around. Obey the great commission here and there. As we reach people with the gospel, many of them will come to this church, praise God. But also, let's look beyond and see how, how God is calling us to reach and baptize those people from, uh, we'll call Samaria, people a little farther out or people all around us who just have different characteristics who won't integrate into this church for whatever reason, to teach them to be the church, do missions both here and there. And finally, to consider not just church growth, but church planting to always be looking to where is God calling us to obey the Great Commission with the intent of planning churches in fulfillment of the Christ's Great Commission. And then we sen- we, we, this church will sense the presence of Jesus Christ in a new and fresh way. Mission, mission leads revival. And if we step out by faith to do Christ's mission, we will have a spiritual renewal that, you know, that, that can only happen as we're on mission with Christ. And so that's the challenge that each, each of us have. One, two, three, obey the great commission. And so let me ask you, how is God asking you to respond? Whether it be through uh, praying daily for missions, perhaps giving over and above what you've intended or all at the same time proclaiming the gospel to to others. Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.